Hi, this is Jim Chung, and you're listening to Eleven O'Clock Comics. I'll take that. Okay. I mean, it felt like there was some bounce back. So no, I, I didn't. No, I couldn't okay. tell. All right. All right. Jason, how you doing? I'm I'm fantastic. Really? Are, Are you we want- pretending like we haven't been talking for four minutes? Yes. Or? Yes. Yeah. Ah, then yes, I'm doing great. Vince, thanks for asking. Good. Check your network settings just for me. Buddy, I'm check it now. What didn't happen until now? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm on the right, right one. Cool. We're all on the right one. Yeah. Hopefully, we're on the same page this episode. Oh, if we're not, I'll be heartbroken. Okay. <laughs> oh no! Come on! What? No! 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 no. Okay. We, we, we will. We'll. You're. You're standing on the base. My toe is touching the base. Okay. But we'll get into it. <sighs> as as we do what we do. I shot a dagger straight into David's heart today on yes. the on the slack. I didn't mean to do it. But the the old um, what artist took you a while to warm up to you know what artist didn't you, you like already, initially you already made your I did but, known and then all of a sudden that now it's like I mean now everybody can just jump on be no, like, oh well, this no. person also trying and now everybody's gonna say oh yeah by the way yeah I didn't think but it wasn't just you it was also Jay. our boy and very prolific poster yeah Mr. Tomio. He decided to add three paragraphs and I was just like I don't I, I don't need this this maybe I'm well, not no. gonna leave it Facebook. It, it was I. I've never warmed up to Jim Apparel. I'm not I, discounting his work. I I, I'm, I the man has consummate skill, and I've read more Jim Apparel books than probably ninety percent of of sure. you know artists. But I, his work just really doesn't um, incite me to do anything other than turn the page. That's it. That- and uh, yeah, that, that's it. That's funny. I mean, it does. It 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 does hurt my heart. Um, I mean, listen, I I get it. There's yes, I've I've he's I he isn't when I when I think of my all time favorite Batman artist, he isn't number one. But I have read a shit ton of Batman related stories that Jim has. Drawn. Of course, and, we have, and yeah. I would love. I, I, I'm going to have a page. I want to get a page. I, I had a page in my hand one New York Comic Con. The first year they moved Artist Alley down to the um, yeah the sideway. But um, I remember. Yeah, but it wasn't. It, it was. It was a Commissioner Gordon. It was. Uh, it, it wasn't. It was a page from Detective that I hadn't read. But the um, but listen, and and I understand. You know, oh, he came on after Neil, and 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 there may be other DC artists at the time that. That that spoke to you and and hey look you know he's no George Tuska but there's just there, oh, there's some you didn't know he's not <laughs> there's there there's just there's something about I, I love the he his Batman was the one that I would doodle in school because that cowl is just is just the M and I love I it's very easy for me to draw the face of Batman if if I'm channeling Jim Aparo and and um but yeah I mean he's his his. The line is there. There's not a ton of cross cross hatching, unless um, Mike DiCarlo is 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 inking him, maybe. But but there's the line is is deliberate. The the um, 
you know, it's not, you know, we, we, we talked about Sami's action sequences and firepower recently, and, and that's not necessarily Jim's strong suit, but he definitely was able to, um, I have a lot of great memories I could think of, you know, when Batman quit the Justice League to go form Batman and the Outsiders. He turns around and, and, and the cape whips and I, there's just, there's a lot of, or, or Geo Force's hair, the poof on flowing back when he's flying. There's, there's a lot about, I, I think of Jim and I smile and I, I absolutely get that when you think about other artists at the time, at that time drawing books and, and if you know you're looking at a Kirby book on the stand next to him or or you know and, he, and he's drawing Aquaman it's like how exciting is that there's not they're, they're not necessarily a lot of of um strong uh Jim Aparo stories like there are for Marshall Rogers or even Frank Miller or or, or uh, Jim Starlin <laughs> hey but it's it's I'm just saying it's like you I know, get when, you it, it, Jim's done a shit ton of Batman stories, but not all of them are, you know, it's not all smiling fish. It, it's just, it's, he, he got the job done and I, I, I love him for it. There you go. Hey everybody. Welcome to 11 o'clock Apero. And no, it's not. It's oh, you can, well, you can make another podcast. Oh, snap. no, no. I'm just saying man, yeah, of, man of a thousand. Pod, thousand pod, it'll be in the network. We'll have the EOC oh, network. We guys got scooping people in. <laughs> yeah. At 11 o'clock comics, episode 674, y'all. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. And I am David. The A is not for apparel price. It's but fact. you wish it was, if, though. If you're going to be formal, you can call me the god of cities, but I prefer Jack Hawksmore. Oh, you're my favorite. Oh, snap. You are my favorite. Start. Off to a good start. You're not uh, Jack uh, Hawksmore. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And we're all pumped because this is our monthly book of the month investigation. And invex- <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and tonight, <laughs> shut up, you. Tonight. Monthly book of the investigative month. Oh, boy. Tonight, we are focusing on The Authority, issues 1 to 12 by Warren Ellis. And Brian Hitch and Paul Neary and Laura Dupuy, which was published in 1999, right? Yes, and Laura Dupuy is uh, now known as Laura Martin for those of you who aren't old enough to remember. Yep. And uh, so remember, we're focusing on issues 1 to 12. This is the whole uh, Ellis. Yeah, the Warren Ellis era. Yeah. Yes. And um, as selected by you. Our patrons. Word them up. Yeah. We had a list of 11 books, and you placed your vote, just like all good citizens do. And uh, we came to a conclusion, and the the authority was the clear winner. But um, while we're at it, why don't we show uh, or tell what the runners-up were? Oh, you want to do that, do you? Yeah. Why not? Put some context uh, to it. The other choices were that... Uh, one of which kind of sort of a little bit came close. Um, your other ten choices were Border Worlds, Brat Pack, Clandestine Classic, Elric Volume 3, The Dreaming City, The Michael Moorcock Library, Flaming Carrot Omnibus, Marvel Graphic Novel Number 29, Hulk Thing, The Big Change, Miss Tree Volume 1, Park Bench, Superman Panic in the Sky, and in second place, 
and the book of the month for June, Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 5. Giddy. I am too. Flippin' giddy. And and we'll we'll get into it later, Lizzie. I mean, you guys can read, which it's a big, thick, fucking book. You guys can read whichever stories in it you want. We'll, the three of us will converse and, and decide on if we're going to tag team on any stories, if we're all sure. just going to pick a bunch like that Conan book we did a couple months back, a couple mm-hmm. years back. But Yeah, I think uh, we should select one each and okay. then tag all team right. on a fourth. Okay. Love it. Love it. Love that's it. that's fair, right? Yeah. Unless, of course, I, some of the ones that I select, you also select. Maybe. Sure. I had and a Zoom vice- call earlier this week with, uh, with, with Donkey Kong just to confirm that it wasn't, in fact, on. Ah, nice. It's like, it's like he's 12. It's, Seriously. <laughs> that big, but it's a beautiful call. brain in the body of a 12-year-old. <laughs> it's all, it's, I just wanted to make sure I confirmed that he had a pretty dope green screen of like barrels rolling behind him. It was pretty funny. It's nice. And he said it was on. <laughs> was Diddy, Diddy there? Big <laughs> no. Diddy. And remember, people, this episode has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, y'all. This DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a mere fraction of what everybody else is paying. All those rubes that are paying cover price, you scoff at them. You laugh because you are getting 20, 30, 40, in some cases, 50% off and more. It's crazy. Now, the uh, previews for this month is a double-decker. It's uh, previews 380 and 381. Just because of all the stuff that's been going on, they're trying to keep the pace and make up for lost time, and they're smashing two previews together. Jason knows how that works, and he's going to tell you. Yes. Uh, so, and, and it's kind of changing. It's changed a bit since our last episode. Um, the new paper previews is in existence. I haven't gotten my copy yet, but I think I will tomorrow. But it is out there, uh, and it will be effectively a combination of the next two months' worth of previews and books. Although I don't think it's going to be much larger than normal. It is not. It, it is not that thick at all. It is only. Yeah. Oh, um, you have it. Okay. Call Lassie. Yeah, it, it was. It was the one. It was the one thing that um, I picked up yesterday at the shop. Uh, Got it. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not all that. Four hundred and forty pages for the main, and then the flip side okay. is a hundred and. 10 so okay. it's yeah. it, it does say 381 may june 20 mm-hmm. but it is not thick at all the marvel stuff is inside makes making it even thinner since the marvel stuff is usually not um but yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah, i'm it, pretty sure that it's i'm sorry it's probably because people are trying to figure out when to resolicit their stuff so they yeah, not no, everybody was exactly. rushing to to get right. it back out as soon as they had an opening they're going to now, now obviously they have to <laughs> readjust their plans as we're seeing from from new comic book day the last few weeks it's very sparse still um and then if you are an existing dcb service customer and i hope a great many of you are well actually scratch that i know a great many of you are because you have joined over the years that thanks to our or at least in part to our telling you about it uh but if you are a dcbs customer you have no doubt been uh deluged this week with emails from their customer service informing you that uh Things you have already pre-ordered have been canceled, uh, and and that is I, I I would hope you know this already, but that is not their doing in the sense of they're not trying to spam you. It's just they have a process, and normally 
this is the kind of thing where one, two, maybe three things in a given month of importance are canceled, and generally for resolicit. And it's just that right now, because of the COVID situation, many of the publishers are just opting to effectively cancel all of their prior orders and are going to either resolicit now or in the future some of this work. And frankly, some they won't resolicit. Uh, we've been getting word uh, from Marvel and DC the last two weeks about a bunch of books that uh, were coming out that they're just not going to finish up in print. They're just going to do digitally. And then eventually, if demand warrants, put the collected editions out. Like I know uh, the Hawkeye book that Dapp and I have been enjoying, I know is, is not going to finish uh, in beta yeah. for this example. But, um, but so, so just, but, but the, uh, and I know, for example, DC has, DC's canceled everything and they're putting all new order codes out. Whereas I think some of the smaller publishers are just, if you've already pre-ordered it, they're, you should consider it still being intact. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention, because Dapp and Dapp alluded to that with the previews catalog, normally you would get, um, or normally you would have the option of getting the main previews catalog, uh, a separate Marvel previews catalog, and a separate DC previews catalog. Um, this go around, um, the, neither DC nor Marvel are putting out their own um, in paper. So, as Dap noted, if you get the main previews, you will have the Marvel stuff in there. Uh, you will not have the DC stuff in there. So, if you're wondering what that means, you can go to uh, Previews World is the website dot com. That is the site for for previews for DCP uh, for Diamond, and you can sign up there with your email address and get free. Uh, either digital, you can view them on a digital reader that they provide, or you can download the PDFs of both the Marvel and DC previews. You can also get the uh, the main previews if you're interested, but I know many of you like the paper as I do. So if you're looking for DC solicits this month or you hear us make videos and talk about them, we are getting them off of the digital version of the DC previews. There you go. So remember... You want to get your books with the cheapness, go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCPService.com. They're the best. As we like to do when we talk about a book of the month, I always am interested in whether we're experiencing this uh, or how we're experiencing this, if it's our first time or if we read it off the shelf or at some other point. So um, for me, uh, I think I mentioned this last week when we talked about uh, our excitement for it. I did not read this off the shelf, but I did read this um, not too long ago. It was after we started the show, um, and it was probably when I got the collected edition um, of the first 12 issues, which I think we said came out, what, in uh, about 10 years ago or so. But I read it then, and then after also then falling in love with Quitely and Mark Miller... I then went and read the rest of The Authority, which, uh, spoilers for those who don't know, but but after issue 12, Mark Miller and Frank Quitely take over for the uh, the remainder of the first volume. Right. I actually read it for the first time when The Absolute came out. Ah, nice. Yeah, it's kind of funny, because after I digested the entire 12 issues, I was like, wow, Warren Ellis really took a lot of notes from Mark Miller on The Ultimates, and then once you put mm-hmm. it in, once you put it into the historical framework, the inverse is actually true. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, this tw- these twelve issues of the Authority could be the template from which the entire 
Marvel universe or Marvel Ultimate Universe, save for Spider-Man, was created. Ultimates yeah. is extremely similar in tone to the Authority and and, and art. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but that you can't <laughs> right. And so is Ultimate Fantastic Four, which Warren Ellis wrote a bit of that. Yeah. Um, Ultimate X-Men is very similar. Just the the um, bigger problems require bigger solutions approach to comics with the widescreen yeah. panels and the, the giant art. That was the modus operandi for a lot of the Marvel Ultimate Universe. And it, I, I had to pinch myself because I was like, wait a minute, take take a breather. It was actually pointed out to me. Like, look at the date on that. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it now. It was actually instigated by Warren Ellis. And so, I, I mean, I have a, a good amount of respect for the authority 1 to 12 just because of, for good or ill, how it, it changed a lot of comics in its wake. What about you, Dad? I read it for the first time. This week, Woo, there we go. Um, and it wasn't it it wasn't um, out of any was it because I was didn't think I, I would enjoy it. It's 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 Warren. I I knew that um, it was safe bet that I would enjoy it. I would appreciate it. Um, the uh, the I know that it, it because it was part of the the Wildstorm universe. That, um, there was some some attachment to Jim Lee's earlier work. In, in this case, Stormwatch, which is a tangent from um, from Wildcats, and uh, I had an absolute blast with it. I, I didn't. Um, yes, it, it does. It, it's it's not the um, it's not necessarily the 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 finish it's not the the brian hitch you get now with, with with what you'll see from his dc work it's not uh it's not it's not even really the brian hitch you got in the ultimates um i like this i like this brian it's not the alan davis clone brian hitch either i really like the the hitch and Neary in these uh in these 12 issues but it's uh it's it's absolutely a warren ellis story um i like it i like it a lot i like it so much that I wish, I kind of wish I stopped reading at the 12th issue because I did enjoy it so much and I was having so much fun with these characters and uh, I, I, I wanted to keep going. It was, it was the first, because I'm, I'm reading the, um, the Omnibus, thanks to Caleb, uh, who sent it to me a while back, because um, it is one of his favorites. And I, I, um, I just, I really, really did. I, I've read, I read... The Garth, Chris Sprouse, um, Midnighter story, Midnighter book, a few years back. Um, I'm familiar with the characters to some degree, and um, I just had so much fun with these twelve issues that I wanted to keep reading. And and uh, unfortunately, Mark Miller is not as 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 talented as he is, as as funny as he can be at times, and 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 how um, how take no prisoners he is in in with his characters and his approach um it i'm not going to say it was a letdown following warren but it 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 did not it lacked the punch that uh that the first volume um 
offered us. But we're focusing on the 12 issues. I just I was just enjoying it so much that I wanted to let everybody know that I, I'm going to finish this omnibus. I was I was still reading. Um and uh and I just I I wanted to keep riding that high that that Warren and Brian and Paul and Laura were giving us. Uh, uh unfortunately it, it it couldn't maintain it as as uh the sophomore year kicked off um we'll see how it ends how it keeps going i'm going to finish it because this 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 omnibus contains uh one through 29 the planetary authority one shot which that that i read when it um a while ago the secret history of uh the authority one through five authority annual 2000 uh wildstorm summer special stories from wildstorm a celebration of 25 years so there's there's a shit ton of stuff in this book and i'm going to finish it um and these first 12 issues absolutely were um were fantastic there's a lot of novel approaches in these 12 issues not the least of which being a gay world's finest Mm -hmm. which is awesome Right, you have a Batman and Superman analogs in Midnighter and Apollo, respectively, that are openly gay. Yeah, and and that's although they 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 are, but they don't um, they don't really play it up in the first twelve issues. You no. know they are right, but they don't shove it down your throat because exactly. again, yes, it doesn't exactly. really matter. Right, right. Yeah, I was getting right I, exactly. I was going to make that point as well that that uh, I think because of the characters' notoriety and and how they've evolved, we came in with the it gets back to our conversation last episode about baggage or expectations. We knew that they were the gay Batman and Superman. Right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, until that moment where he kind of kisses him on the cheek, it's I mean, there's some innuendo, but it's certainly you could have easily read this not picking up on that if you if you weren't really focusing on their dynamic until until you know part part way through the book and then even then it's just kind of glossed over it's just a just part of the part of the pastiche right right and i think a a man kissing another man on the cheek should be as unobtrusive as a man kissing a woman on the cheek doesn't fucking matter right yeah right but your point is is that 99 it did matter it did and and i would have loved to experience the ripple that went out because when when you're dealing yeah with, i mean can you imagine like again getting comic like comics gate we talked about on the pre the pre-show right <laughs> the, like like imagine their how they would have that's the other funny thing we've always said about about things like the comics gate guys i mean all the things they contend are quote-unquote ruining comics mainstream comics have been here forever uh, in some form or fashion yeah and before this it was brat pack and other i mean it, it, mm-hmm. it's sure. it's always existed it just wasn't as close to the top level as the authority was right now the, the there was this was a prominent book from what i can remember not having read it as it was coming out but the hubbub at the local shop was very high for this book um and and i'm a naysayer and i'm reluctant to tr- you know buy another superhero book so i i didn't read it when it came out much to my uh dismay right but um again your top level power character the decision maker is a woman and not a buxom. A great character, too. Yes, not a buxom, um, thick with however many C's you put at the end of it, woman. She's a an average body type, somewhat thin woman. 
and mm-hmm. she, she's uh, just happens to be uh, over a hundred years old, but that's you know, and, and can command um, powers of electricity. That's great, but she's not Power Girl, you yeah, know, or, or or Wonder Woman. She's just an uh, again um, against the cookie cutter female superhero doesn't wear a costume Mm -hmm. i mean unless you count the union jack but so i mean i love that aspect of it when they say they come in right out of the gate saying this is not what you're used to you're gonna have to make some decisions here on on whether or not you know this makes you feel comfortable or uncomfortable and if it does make you feel uncomfortable maybe you should be asking yourself why Mm-hmm. which is great about this book yeah um again i love we're... team books you know that so right um now my only minor quibble on that front is that um because this was effectively just a rebranding and relaunching of of our ellis's well stormwatch meaning that a lot of these characters he introduced in stormwatch and right so, um which i didn't we don't either. get the uh we don't get the getting the gang together which I think probably serves the longevity of this as a reread better because mm-hmm. you just jump into the action. Yeah. Um, it might be boring if the first six issues of a 12 issue series are getting the gang together. You know, I, I really like that trope, as you know, but I, I can understand that that might be a little bit slower on the acceleration if, and to pull people in. So probably is a, a better choice, but, but I would have loved to, uh, to have seen a, an issue or two of, uh, of getting the crew together. Right. You do know that that, that appears, that does happen in the, um, in the series, the, the miniseries following um, the authority, the uh, it was um, the secret history. Um, I, was... I know that it happens there. I haven't read that though. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the, the, it's it's a five or six issue series. But Jenny Sparks, the secret history of the authority, uh, by um, Miller and uh, McRae. Yeah, right. But just so to the team, can we, can, okay. well, just to balance the the uh, novel appearance of Jenny Sparks. I thought the engineer was a little bit oversexed with the 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 circles where the nipples should be and the the, the <laughs> liquid um like Angela is very sexy. And I just think well if you're making a statement and you're making ground with Jenny you're kind of losing it a little bit with Angela because she's a bombshell in digital clothing like why you can form fit those things any way you want. Why would you mold them exactly to your breasts? That's just that, maybe she's a sexual woman. Yeah, it could be, and it seems like she is. Um, yeah. Right, but um, I I like the team a lot. Some more than others. Uh, my favorites are um, Jack Hawksmore's number one, and my number two would definitely be the Doctor. I knew it. Yeah. So the the team, real quick, is uh, is the the leader is Jenny Sparks. Who is Dap noted is uh, I mean as, as Vince noted is is like a hundred years old, yeah. and uh, she basically is uh, uh, she's a paragon of electricity. She can yes. control electricity. She can become electricity. She's but she's like uh, Norse god level, you know. Yeah. Like like. Uh, yeah. Uh, then there's, well, there's a, it, it's important that you you say that she's the spirit of the 20th century. Well, yes. I was I was gonna. Yeah, yeah, okay. I wasn't, sure to, I wasn't sure if we wanted to get get into that at at the start, but yes, that is yes, that's right. Um, and then there's Apollo and Midnighter, as we've been talking about, and they are effectively the uh, a a committed gay couple who happen to also be analogs for Batman and Superman. 
uh, Apollo was created in a lab, as was uh, Midnighter. But but in terms of their power sets and their demeanors and their, you've got the 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 sun god, the good boy, who's got godlike powers but doesn't want to do anything really too wrong. And then you've got the Mid- Midnighter, who's this badass leather-clad dude who loves to inflict pain to ne'er-do-wells. Um, then you've got, as been said, the Doctor, uh, who is a uh, a drug shaman. addict, yeah, uh, yes. shaman. But yes. but his power is he's got the power of thousands of shamans. Who it basically is like if Doctor Strange inherited the memories and and powers and experiences of every other sorcerer supreme that ever came before him. Um, and then there's the engineer, which has been said is Angelica or Angela Spica. She's I like her because she's a scientist, and she takes all of her blood out of her system, all nine pints, and injects nine pints of liquid nanotechnology into herself instead. So she's like, um, you know, half uh, Iron Man and half um, Bloodshot. She her, mm-hmm. her her body's a liquid machine now and can do all sorts of cool things because of it. She would be end of the Technovirus cable. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Then you've got Jack Hawksmore, who is both Vince and my favorite. Uh, he is the god of the cities. He's sort of a strange, almost meta thing. He's he's connected to the idea of the city, uh, like a, as a concept, which is a little high concept. And he can so when he's he, when he's in cities, he's that much more powerful. He can leverage the communal nature of cities in lots of different ways. It's it's again, it's a little bit. Left of center in terms of a, of a power set, which I like. Uh, and then the last member is probably for me the most forgettable, uh, and that is <laughs> and that is Swift um, Shen Li Min. Uh, she's she's basically Hawk Girl. I mean, yeah. she's 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 a, a an avian themed heroine. So, and and like Hawk Girl, she's smarter than one would uh, think, given her physical appearance. Like she looks like a harpy. In some yeah. respects, like she, a hot girl is crossed with a harpy, but she's intelligent, which is great. Right, right, um, right. Uh, I would love to see uh, a Jack Hawksmore Danny the Street comic. That'd be great. Danny the Street <laughs> from from Doom Patrol. the The concept is you you could they could do it very easily. But I digress. Um, before we get into the whole twelve issues. Uh, for me, it was definitely an exercise in diminishing returns. Oh, interesting! Loved the first story. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought the uh, the circle was great. Shift ships was readable and compelling. I thought the outer dark, the last one, was a whiff, complete whiff. There was no gravitas at all to it. It it just it 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 was like. Uh, many mediocre sci-fi movies I've seen. Um, it's interesting. I, I can't say that I feel like I agree like with the magnitude of what you're saying. I, I did enjoy all three arcs. Um, I do agree that the third arc is my least favorite of the three. On the other hand, we get the huge climax. Yeah. And also, if you do take a step back, I think it is the most auspicious of, of the arcs in terms of – or audacious of the arcs because, in essence, it's them fighting God, which is, I think, a really cool concept, particularly as someone who 
is an atheist and likes to look at uh, things logically. I, I I loved the idea of God being this uh, some kind of cosmic alien entity that uh, created the, un- the universe and uh, is now back. I, I so I, I but but in terms of but I know what you're saying because the mechanism of those four issues is effectively uh, uh, inner space. <laughs> it's it's basically that they are, are fantastic voyage. Yeah, we've seen it a million times. Exactly, yeah. we've seen it a million times. Where, where you, they are, they are in in the they are in the bloodstream of a much larger entity trying to uh, find its way to its heart or its brain or you pick your organ to kill it. And its internal defense systems, its white blood cells, its its antibodies are trying to uh, destroy it, destroy them before they can. Uh, and you're right, we've seen that many many times. Yeah, but I think claiming that the authority fights God looks great in a solicit. But in in typical Warren Ellis audaciousness, it's not God. It's an organism that just so happened to stumble upon the planet Earth and say, let's move this a little bit closer to the sun, right? And we'll come back in a little while. Meanwhile, a planet, a rogue planet hits it and creates the moon and then life springs. So it wasn't God in 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 the 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 in, in theological sense it it was an organism that effectively jump started life that's that's just music to my mind because that's what i if 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 you could ever convince me that there's a god that's what it would have been sure giant, and uh, no a giant i think cosmic entity and we're a sort of a random occurrence in its existence right and for me that was the concept that saved those four issues because otherwise it would be just a James Cameron, you know, Wahoo mm-hmm, adventure, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I can't disagree. I, I do think the third arc is, is, is the, is the, the, the least of the three. It does. I, I, I agree with you guys. Um, it does, however, and I believe this was probably my first experience with the authority and probably why it kind of sort of didn't stick that final arc in the 12 issues leads into the Lobo, the first Lobo authority one shot Uh, because um, the parasites from that story, when they go into God's belly, we'll say um, Jenny said, you know, we don't want to hurt you. We want the host. Um, Of course, Giffen and, and, um, and Grant take that to um, to a different level by saying, you know, so, so the parasites, the tapeworms go up, go to Lobo because they want the authority taken out because once they got rid of the host, the uh, tapeworms have nothing to feed off of. So they they let them pass and, okay, yeah, we'll let you live, but they kind of didn't. So um, they want the authority taken out. And at this point, Jenny is, um, Jenny Quantum is a, almost like a toddler and unfortunately she read the lobo paramilitary christmas special and because lobo killed santa claus she wants <laughs> the authority to kill lobo uh so it was a great little meeting of of um kind of meta in some degree but um lobo fucks it was definitely a lobo story he he, he doesn't necessarily make short work of the authority but he you you can tell who was um who was in charge of, of, of writing the characters. Um, but it was, that, that was a payoff. And then it was kind of written. So, uh, it, definitively to, to, so, but I, when I read, when it dawned on me 
where I kind of was familiar with these characters even before the the planetary one shot uh or crossover it's um it'd be i i'd look for it and and reread it but um i getting back to the book of the month yes the the it was first story was absolutely fantastic as far as getting familiar with everybody um and and the threat the threat was was just that threat would have been great for a series and a series ender and and they're kicking it off with with this um and he was it it, it, it he, he was a prick um the second story second story was that's kind of what i i i i love the alternative history parallel earth aspect of of stories you guys know that so i mean that that spoke to me but it definitely also felt like um something that that claremont and davis could have done in, in excalibur Oh, definitely, but I was going to say that's why I loved it because it very sure. much felt like 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 I was reading a, Dave, a, a an Alan Davis story in Marvel. Yeah, it was the cross yeah. time caper. Yeah, in, yeah exactly. in, in four exactly. issues. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Um, another novel approach to this super team is they don't hesitate to kill. No, yes. If yes, if, yes. if you are doing something very very wrong for the planet, um, they will take you out um, by any means necessary. So on the one hand. As David said, Jenny Sparks was very reluctant to just obliterate the parasites infesting, quote, God. But in the first four issues, which was the circle, they obliterate clones like they are tissues, just boom, just annihilating. Um, but let's get into the, the a little bit of the story for the first arc. Um, as As Jason said, you introduce we're, we're introduced from the author to the authority which rose from the ashes of stormwatch um there's a threat and well jenny has been working behind the scenes cobbling together a team just because she knew there was a vacuum with the uh disbanding of stormwatch and that vacuum would soon need to be filled because bad shit happens so she's working her, her, her thing and she cobbles a team together thankfully um, right around the same time, an international terrorist, a megalomaniac uh, named Kaizen Gamora comes onto the scene. And this guy's got his shit together. He is um, top dog of a country, an island, really, um, that uh, his story is pretty brutal. He had two brothers, movers and shakers, and they rose very quickly um, to prominence in the country. Uh, I think he said they, they overtook the government when they were, like, in their teens. And yeah. um, he held back, let them accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And once they got to uh, the top of the stack, he killed them and assumed control. Nice guy. So he has a uh, a sigil, which is essentially a circle with three dots on it, um, and has been manufacturing clones which he pumped through a transporter and would pop over a country like Moscow, which is the first country we see them attack, and just start obliterating shit with this army of black-clad, flying, super-powered clones. Uh, not ironically, of his, uh, his dead brothers. And uh, Jenny and company pop in, and they uh, stem 
the uh, the violence, but uh, Gamora's not uh, not finished. He later attacks London, uh, and while he's doing that, he has a force field around his country. Big pussy, typical uh, mindset of of the power mad. Uh, but the, the cool thing that I loved about the the first four issues is the fact that Kaizen Gamora just does it for the hell of it. He's like terrorism is its own reward. None of these yeah. these um, monologues like we get from Lex Luthor or, or or you know the Joker like why'd you do it? Well, I'll tell you why. And you get this long soliloquy it's about also some petty revenge shit. Yeah, he just. Just did it to to. Because two years ago, Stormwatch did me a great unkindness. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, they basically stopped him from doing what he would have done had he the power to do it back then. Right. Right. So I mean, yes, it was partly for revenge, but it was mostly for just the sake of doing it. He says explicitly, "Terrorism is its own reward." I'm doing this because I want to. I'm doing this because I can. And you yep. can't touch me because I got a giant force field around my country. Ah, wow. See, there's a lot of similarities to people out there. Uh, Watch me just chip his face off. Right. But um, thanks to um, the carrier, which is the... Uh, which, okay, I'm sorry. I hate that it's vertical, though, or horizontal. Though. I... The carrier is is one. It is my favorite thing about the authority. Jack is is my favorite character of that, that we see in these twelve issues. But I absolutely love the carrier, and I love the description of what it's doing every time we're introduced to it on a page, and, and it's just a, yeah. sailing through, cruising by, and it's just and and I, I I love the description of where where it is at the moment, what it's floating by and 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 it, that made me smile every time i saw it yeah and right and so those that 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 haven't read the book shame on you it, it the carrier is <laughs> there is their vessel it's it's 50 miles long and 35 miles high and it's uh it's a sentient alien uh kind of anchored to earth chilling yeah it looks like a almost like a shark like a kind of almost like a cartoon uh it looks like baby shark actually um metal version of baby shark uh but uh yeah it's it's 50 it's a 50 mile space vessel that also um uh, exists on lots of different planes of existence simultaneously right it's it's tethered to earth because it's afraid um its creator will come back and it won't be there Uh, yes yeah um like a child that's great like or a, a loyal loyal dog right um, but it can traverse multiple dimensions while still be, being in uh, tethered to Earth. So it's it's effectively in two places or multiple places at once, which is great. And then was this this wasn't the first instance of the bleed, right? That was a Stormwatch thing. R- Warren sure. Ellis did create the bleed, but he created it in Stormwatch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the bleed is like the Red Room from Twin Peaks. It's the gateway uh, to other dimensions. So, yeah. or hyperspace. So you're traveling through this isolated uh, portion of reality called the bleed, and you can pop out at at various uh, dimensions. But the cool, another cool thing about the um, the carrier is the entire team is in constant communication with the ship and can open dimensional doors on a whim. 
They just say door and a door opens up and they walk through the door and they're somewhere else, which gave the uh, Midnighter the opportunity to just waltz into uh, Gamora under or negligent of the the uh, force field, just walk around and start doing shit. And that's when the, the whole clone uh, process was undercovered and... Um, I just think the the, the first it, it had um, an air of uh, Fu Manchu for me because mm-hmm. just the oh, way definitely. yeah it's just the the the, the big the Mandarin, bad right, from the Mandarin Fu Manchu mm-hmm. but it just showed the um, the audaciousness of the team that yeah. this is your and and the the crux of their argument is. They never said, you know, you're killing people. That's bad. They said, what you're doing is bad for the planet. That is the 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 thing that drives the authority. We have to make the planet better. And if we got to kill a bunch of clones to do it, huh, we will. And that mm-hmm. so refreshing. You would never see the Justice League. Yeah, you uh, know, just j- not even do it. The Avengers, how, absolutely. You know, Hawkman. Yeah. You know, hold back a little bit because we don't want to kill these people. Screw that. They they were eviscerating. They were tur- the Doctor was turning the clones into leaves. He never turned yeah. them back. No, nope. <laughs> you are effectively it, dead. And that's and and well, we talked about the parasites and and how you know Jenny let them live, but she kills the clones. The parasites weren't threatening the planet they weren't trying to blow up and level cities they they were trying trying to exist and they were attacking something that was you know infesting their 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 system doing what there's normally would do and everything worked out for them at that point but but the clones the clones are basically bullets from a gun and and you need to stop them from from hitting their targets and and that's so yes if yeah. their if their lives were extinguished during that oh well and the morality in this book is much close. It is very close to my my own. Agreed. Yeah, it Same. is. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I'm pretty ruthless when um, something I value is threatened, like my family. You know, like I, if if someone approached anyone in my family with a gun, I would not subdue that person. If I if I could, I would I would end that person. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. know, and that's the same approach in in the authority these people are doing something very damaging to the planet and you have hawksmoor who's linked to various places on the planet so it it's like they're attacking a family member or family members of hawksmoor so just to justify my my ruthlessness but no i I, do it no no because in this in this first scene where they're 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 attacking london and 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 the authorities show up i uh, dap alluded to it uh, the artwork I, I i love the art in this book and it is no secret that it's because paul neary has a heavy hand here and and this is you could you could give this to a relatively new comic reader and tell him it's alan davis and they would probably believe you at least at certain panels um and you know, uh, Alan Davis is my is my happy place. So uh, there are many, many key moments in this book that I'm thinking, oh, that's this is when this is when Hitch was was uh, very openly in trying to be like Alan Davis, and he he evolves from here. And I and I still like Hitch's work. I'm I don't 
I don't uh, have anything bad to say about what he's become. And, you know, some artists evolve and for, for the better or for the worse, but I, I, he's, he's just different now. But, uh, but I, I love this, this hitch, uh, you know, yeah. combination. I love the, it. This is probably as I've, you know, gone through the following issues and I've seen things by McRae and Weston and, and even quietly hitches, versions the hitch and neary versions of these characters are are by far my my favorite the, these are the versions that i'm going to if i were to get a jam piece if i was if i were to get a commission yep. of the authority would be like listen i, I my, all There's, my reference the would reference, be right? yeah. from yeah. these 12 issues I, I i don't i you know quietly is of course stylized but his his apollo is is ex, it is thicker than a wayne Boring superman the, mm-hmm. the the doctor looks like lurch it just it's 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 appropriate for a, a, a Miller quietly story, but it's not what I expected mm-hmm. to see following these 12 issues. Right. But yeah, they, you're absolutely right with the, with, with the hitch look. So I'm going huh? to part ways with you guys uh, just oh, on this oh. topic, because yeah. I very much gravitated towards the art that came after this. Loved the quietly. Oh, it's beautiful. I, yeah, no, even it's even beautiful. the I mean the Art Adams little run. Oh, the covers, I, yeah. I thought was spectacular. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge hitch mark. I've never been, but no, that's true. Um, I I like his work on this much more than his later and current approach. Yes, to to Same. to drawing. But I mean, I didn't buy this book for Brian Hitch. I bought it for Warren Ellis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say, um, I think Hitch does a great job, in particular, with uh, the way he handles the Doctor's powers, because effectively the Doctor, for the most part, even though he yields all kinds of magic, in this book he basically is a transmogrifier, right? I mean, he he turns things yeah. into other things, but he... He does it like I think Hitch does some of his best work with that. I mean, in in the London scenes, he turns a bunch of the clones into crows, and in another part of the of the run, he 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 turns a bunch of ne'er do wells into leaves um, to blow off away in the wind. And he's always got these little bits of of poetic verse that are, I guess, spells, but but they they stay read more like poetry stanzas um, about changing of the fall and or or from autumn and and then things turn to leave. So I just I really think that uh that that Hitch does some of his better work in terms of power illustration with the shaman. And it makes sense because there's more leeway there. He's got yeah. this strange this, this strange when you have a magic wielder he can you can have him do almost anything. Right. I don't dislike the art. I think he did a very good job. It's just it's not it's not dead center in my wheelhouse. I get that. Well, yeah. would you? So I know this is a bit of an aside, but um, we talk a lot about different artists and how much they influence uh, future generations, and and certainly, quietly, definitely fits into that, right? Lots and lots of of artists that are working comics now cite quietly as one of their main inspirations. Um, would you would you put Alan Davis into that category? And if so, who would you consider his major acolytes? Not because sure. I would, and I would say Hitch obviously is the most famous of his acolytes. But right, I, I mean, think Jim Calafiore fits into that. And again, I know you're going to smirk. I'm not saying he's anywhere close to Alan Davis. I'm saying, but I think he very much is of that 
same school, not just. I mean, you know, sure. There's, there's your there's there's got to be a there's got to be a, a chap yap in the in the bunch, right? But, but right. Um, so who would I put in the? Well, do you think Alan Davis is at that level? Do you think that and was he at a level? That he's where influenced people? people. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh God! 100%. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, and and I would uh, no no offense to Hitch, but there's something sleeker and more stylized and more pleasing to my eye about Alan Davis's art than there is Brian Hitch's art. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. no no I'm not yes. saying otherwise. What I'm saying is is of the people that if you think a group of artists came from the Alan Davis school, who would you consider? And and I would say Hitch probably is the most famous of those, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Yeah. Now, he doesn't look like Alan Davis at all anymore, I don't think. I think. No, no, no. I mean, when you think about Age of Ultron or the Hawkman stuff or or even the recent Justice League book he was doing, yeah, none of that. He, he is definitely strayed from because I mean when you think about things like Death's Head or when he was when he was a hardcore Alan Davis cloner he he argued that you know he wasn't or he didn't he didn't try to ape that style but it was it was it was so apparent and um and I think that was even before Neary because I when I first became aware of, of Paul Neary he was penciling Captain America he, he wasn't necessarily inking Davis um on Excalibur or anything like that. Now I can't think of Alan Davis without thinking about Mark Farmer anyway. So, um, Neary and, and Hitch are more of a, of a combination for me, but, but yeah, Hitch, when I first became aware of Brian Hitch way back when I stopped and, and said, who, who's this trying to be Alan? It, he, he, it's like when you, when you look at the fan letters, uh, uh, look at the letter section of amazing heroes and you look at all the fan art and, and up and coming artists and, and things like that. And, and, that that's what Hitch reminded me of just that it was still good, but you could tell that he, for me, it looked like he learned from redrawing Alan Davis comic books. And it, it's, it's, um, it's a great style. I mean, if you're going to fuck, yeah, I mean, shit. I mean, I'd rather, I'd, I'd, I'd rather try to draw like Alan Davis than, yeah, George Tuska. It's just one of those things where Damn, uh, I know I, I love I love Tuska. Up, I just I, I just that, that's just that's, yeah. that's 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 just the callback. Yeah, to, everybody to had a perm episode. in the Tuskaverse. <laughs> that's true. They really did. Or gap too. Dude, everybody but, in that era had a perm. Okay, <laughs> so, but but it, it's I, 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 perm. I, I, I did oh, once. Oh my god! Can we see pictures? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's glorious. But, but, but yes, yeah, so 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 Hitch, yes. There's a ruggedness to Hitch's work, a uh, a thickness and a ruggedness that isn't present in Alan Davis's work. It's like no, that's true. Yeah. I think Hitch is is playing more notes than he has to in yes. some in some spots, where it amazes me when I look at some of the backgrounds in this series and the detail and the time and the effort that Hitch put into it. And I'm thinking, I, it doesn't say, it says here that this lasted from 1999 to 2000 for 12 issues. Yeah. I don't yeah. think Hitch invested that much detail in anything ever again. No. I think this no. book probably, minute, dude. Dude, I don't know. It's insanely detailed. Not on this level, it's not. But it was, it was, it didn't dude. come out much. Right. That's my point. So many lines in the ultimate. But it didn't, he, he didn't meet a 30 day no. issue. 30 days oh, every year. Oh, okay. That's oh, what I'm sorry. saying. I think this book oh, broke okay. him because yeah, it, it came out 
relatively on time from, from what okay, I can assess. It. And I just it's thought you meant the actual detail. No, it's page. disturbingly okay. detailed. Yes. Um, and just to get to the uh, the footprint of this series, the widescreen format that this instigated a, a plethora of similar treatments on other titles, that widescreen format does nothing for me. I I just think it's the, the big panels and the giant action, and uh, it's I think it's just a way to pad out a storyline. I I I don't like it. It's it's a language that I don't like to speak. I would much prefer a nine panel grid or a you know just a, the Giffen approach where it's like let's put as many panels in here as we can, or God forbid the Chaikin approach where it's like were you getting paid by the panel in this in this thing or Steranko, right? I like a lot of panels. I like a lot of different viewpoints. If you're gonna expend three panels three giant panels over the course of two pages that's still a little too much for me it's like pinups or or you know it, it, the the action is too big if you know if that makes any sense to you at all i would it much does. rather see it compressed into eight panels per page or six is nice right but you know it's just i i, I think it set a precedent and as much good as Not it did, better. it did a lot of uh, negative things too. The it, it, since you mentioned padding out the story, and I don't know what this felt like reading it issue to issue and having having to wait for the next chapter in in, in this quarterly story. But the the um, as I'm reading each, I, I didn't I didn't read it thinking that you know they that they wrote this as a four part story. I just, I and obviously because of the way I consumed it and I'm, I'm sitting here reading it through, through this collection, um, just going through one after the other. It, it, I didn't have to wait, but I didn't, I didn't feel like any particular part was part one of six or in this case, part one of four. I did. I, I didn't feel like this was necessarily written for the trade. Obviously these are only four part stories. So at the time, not like the trades were super hot and heavy at this moment, but the um, it it I didn't I had no problem with 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 Warren's with Warren's pacing of of the stories in in the first collection. See, I think they definitely read like they're broken up into the trades. story. The, the 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 three different stories are yes because but they I, usually I, I, end I, except for the last one. They usually end with Jenny Sparks looking right at the viewer saying, "This is how it's going to be." You know, because we want to save the planet. It's interesting. We're all seeing it a little differently because I, I think one of the strengths of this is how much story we get in 12 issues. Yeah, that each no, arc was I, four I issues. I mean, I, I I honestly believe, and and to your point, Vince, some of the stuff that happened in this work and then the Ultimates and, and, and subsequent stuff kind of evolved this way. But, but I think that in an event-driven world where they're always trying to sell you lots of extra comics – any of these four issues would have been eight issues and you would have had one shots and tie-ins and crossovers and it would have been so much more decompressed. Um, I, I mean, we got three world-threatening uh, battles and solves in 12 issues. That never happens in today's Which is comics. very true, very true. But the events of each story are not that extensive. 
in the in the first story, three cities get get attacked. Midnighter warps in, calls down the the carrier. End of story. Like there's there's really not a whole lot of divergence from that that central theme, like the, the plot. He he comes in. This is what we're doing. This this is the end. In the second story, the the um, Albion or sliding Albion, they're they're running out of people. So the mm-hmm. re, the regent wants to repopulate. So he's going to come in and make Earth a rape planet. And he gets the bearing on the the carrier and uses its defenses against its or its capabilities against itself and. Uh, Hawksmoor and and Midnighter save the day. Like that's a, that's all it really is. There's a lot of brief asides about the Sicilians, go people, and um, you know, <laughs> just you know, it turns out the Sicilians in this were assholes. <laughs> True to life. Yeah. Well, but um, you know, there was a lot of world building, obviously, in the second one because it was an entire culture to which. We only had Earth-based counterparts in in most senses for so it was kind of let's build this world real quick and this is what happens and boom here's the end. I liked the the pacing, but the stories aren't really that complex. But this, I think that's why n- you get to have conclusions to these right things because because I think that um, the, the the other thing I had in my notes about all of this kind of go- ties into it is that I found it refreshing that this is what you see. There is not an A, a B, and a C plot. And I say this, you know me. I, I mean, I love writers like Hickman that that weave B, C, D, and E plots into their work and, and don't pay it off for five years. I mean, I, I, right. when, when that's done well, I love it. And it can be some of my favorite stuff ever. But this isn't that, right? This is uh, This is you're getting what you see in the arc and then they're moving on. There is very little... Uh, allusion to things to come or things that have come before it. It's just this is what's happening right now, and then cutscene, wake up. All right, so here's our next mission. Right, and I I find that refreshing more so now rereading it than I probably did when I read it the first time, and I much more than I probably would have in '99 had I been reading it off the shelves because it is such an unusual way to tell comic book stories now, at least superhero comic book stories. Right, but. Conversely, can you imagine if Grant Morrison was at the controls, especially in the second arc? You would have had pages of like, oh, there's a giant skyscraper-sized baby at the at the core of this planet that's sucking down carbon monoxide and shitting out warp ships. You know, and and he would have just littered it with things that really didn't matter to the story, but just. You know, wow, that's he, a cool he, concept. It came into his head, so yeah, yeah. that's and and that's that's one reason why I love planetary the way I do, and 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 I will you know vote for global frequency whenever it's on the poll. It, it there there are certain things that Ellis does that he doesn't. You know, Warren doesn't remind you every try to remind you every page. Of of how clever or witty he is, or or have the characters speak for him because there's a joke that needs to be told there. I mean, yes, yeah, Swift likes to mention about you know the farts every once in a while, but for the most part, all the characters kind of get to breathe, and 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 we don't we're not 
aside from whatever the carrier's doing as as it as, at cruise speed over the mine barrier reef you know we we don't get what we see on the page is, is is kind of what we get in the conversations they have we're not yeah we're not hit over the head with oh like with the miller stuff it's it's when when we get to the mark miller story um with uh in in, in, in i'm sorry the, the the second volume and and that's the way Kriegstein's armies uh, uh, attack our heroes and i mean that's that that's when it was almost like a 180 from the first 12 issues that that warren wrote but i think the carrier pages are warren's only indulgence in this book i would agree with that. that's it i mean he just said oh, i'm gonna be a little i'm gonna be a little this brilliant be warren. Uh, right on these pages and wouldn't you know it it it, it infuses the story with concepts that actually make it more out there and and mm-hmm. not in the sense of grant morrison where at least they're related to one of the main characters which the carrier is so he's just developing the character of the carrier by these one-page vignettes that you know like the 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 uh my the coral reef with the dreamers and i thought that mm-hmm. was great yeah i thought that was very much a i mean that that's that was definitely high concept right i mean the, yeah the, my favorite two pages happen in the fifth issue and it, it kind of um it reinforces something about what i enjoy about warren ellis stories but but how i feel about about these about this these characters who i kind of just met and what it kind of means to me to be why you would be a superhero and and it's 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 jack and and the doctor and angie as angie um chilling out sightseeing in the carrier and and angie says this is worth giving up a life for and, and the doctor asks, do you miss it the way things were before i mean and angie says sometimes i, I miss the silly things um but uh but you know my whole life i traded it for this one and and she says now i fight people go to war i don't have experiments i have things that need to be solved or people die i don't drink gin and bitter lemon until i fall over i don't have sex with my ex-boyfriend every third thursday i don't eat clams on mulberry street i'm not angie anymore i'm the engineer and jack asks, so why do you do it she says because somebody needs to and i give views like this which is you know a neat aside but because somebody needs to that's when I think of what, what what attracts me to to superhero comics, it's it's that's that line because that's why I am a Spider Man fan. I am a Superman fan. I, somebody needs to, and and the way that Warren just kind of like throws this in there with everything else, with, with with what they just experienced in the first four issues, and then what's coming. I those two pages alone, I was like, that's that's beautiful. I I loved those two pages. And again, this thing is just teeming with novel ideas. The the group itself, the the authority team, are extremely enthusiastic about what they do. How many times have you read in these twelve issues? I love this. I love this job. This is a great job. Meanwhile, the 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 very earth is being threatened, and they're not just like they they're there's no woe is me about right. it. They go out there, they attack the problem. There's no self-guessing or recriminations they're not uh seeking their 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 you know their psyches for uh chinks in their armor they're just out there and they're doing it and the the thing that got me too none of them is afraid to die for the Mm -hmm. cause 
especially Hawksmoor, that one panel. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it said. And they're just like, you know what? You, or maybe it was Apollo. It's just like, you're going out here and it was Apollo. Your, your, your energy's depleted. You may die doing this. And he's just like, oh, well, at least I'll be doing what I like doing. You know, like the, 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 the most, and the analogous to Jenny Sparks, I could at Marvel would be Wolverine. To me, because she's she's interesting. She's gritty. She doesn't wince at doing what she has to do. Um, to, I mean, she kills. And she has that that inner strength that, regardless of what anybody else is telling her, she thinks that what she's doing is the right thing to do. That's Wolverine, right? Mm. I see her much more like a Nick Fury. Okay, well, Nick Fury, Wolverine, they're cut from sort of kind of the same cloth. Yeah, more, yeah. You know, more or less. But it's just mm-hmm. like this no-nonsense, I'm going to take a baseball bat to these things. Um, if a couple die in the process, oh, well, you know, at least I'm saving all of these people. That's, right. that's a great approach. Again, that is not uh, the Justice League or the Avengers. No, no, that's true. Yeah. And it's refreshing to read this. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have quibbles with some of the presentation, but I, all in all, I think these twelve issues are—they're they're great. They're wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that they are uh, just a lot of fun. A, a, a huge fan of the pacing, as I've already said. I, I just—I think the whole thing works well. And um, while I did enjoy—I know we're only talking about the first twelve issues—I very much did enjoy the Miller quietly. Uh, stuff as well. I think it is fair, uh, whether you do or don't, to, to say, as David did, that this is real. I mean, you know, um, you could just read this. Like, this is its own thing. I mean, this is Warren and Brian's 12 issues. So so what comes after is certainly a continuation of this to an extent, but, but it, is, it is different creators with a different idea of what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, they, I don't think they go... I don't think they go 180 degrees in a different direction, but but they do def- definitely have a different tone. They're trying to accomplish different uh, mo- motifs um, visually, very very different. Obviously, with Quietly being a much more uh, exaggerated type of illustrator. Uh, so yeah, I think that's also cool too. You could just pick this up and read it, and it is what it is. You don't you you, you don't need to to have read what came before uh, in Stormwatch. And I think they make it very clear that this comes from Stormwatch, but uh, but not in a way that you feel like you're you're missing out on not knowing what happened. No, they not give you at just all. enough that you're like, okay, I get it, I get it. Um, so I, I just think it's a very well crafted book, and it does speak to. And we've said this a lot over the years, but Warren Ellis is probably that guy that's just short of the Mount Rushmore of his era when people talk about it, but he, he definitely deserves to be considered um, an all-timer because he's an excellent, excellent storyteller who, unlike Morrison, if you all go back and listen to our Green Lantern talk, um, doesn't have the low lows. Um, now, as I said, if he, later in his career, he gets a point where he's openly admits he just starts occasionally doing a Marvel or DC job for the check. And and I do think that that can often be disappointing, but uh, but when he's inspired to do something, um, and I think this counts as part of that. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's many better, really. I, I really don't. No, he's very clever and very very creative, and I would guess 
that um, he did not like the fact that Jenny continues in some form after the 12th issue. If it was up to me and I was editorial, I would have treated Jenny Sparks, well, who can you say now? I would have said like, like Bucky or like Jean Grey at one time. Yeah. But I would have let that sacrifice that it, it makes the whole arc. It 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 solidifies the concept of her being the the spirit of the twentieth century. It was the perfect way to end mm-hmm. that run. I wouldn't have touched her ever again. Well, I here's my thing about that. I I, I know where you're coming from, but then why do we get the last page? Well, right. Maybe he just said, "Okay, I gave you a gift." Or he knew you're going to yeah, use I mean, it anyway. It's it, it's obviously it's work for hire stuff. It's it's not. Yeah. He created the team, but it's not obviously this is a character that these are characters that are going to live on beyond him. He Wildstorm at the time could do whatever they sure. wanted to do with it, and then eventually sell it to DC. But um, yeah, well, we should explain ourselves. I mean, well, go ahead. Okay, so so as as Vince said, Jenny Sparks is also, was also known as the spirit of of the twentieth century, and she was born at the start of the century. She and we find this out in this book actually in the second arc. She was imbued with, uh, she was imbued or effectively her powers came to be when she was twenty, when um, the same parallel dimension that uh, that uh, ends up being the villains in in the second arc. First come to this earth, and um, she ends up spending all the time with him. Her, her first husband is, in fact, one of these these alternative Earth half alien beings. But um, but in any event, uh, we're now nearing this book was coming out in ninety nine and two thousand, and and we get to the end of the century, and she vanquishes this god creature. Um, but it basically has to use all of her power that's left to do so, and it, it effectively commits. She sacrifices herself to do this, and uh, it's as the year, as the clock is running out on the century. And she explains that uh, this was always her purpose. She was the spirit of the century, and uh, and her role always was to protect this century. And that uh, now that it's ending, it's t- time for for someone new to do it. Um, and then we get in the last page of the of the book, which is why I say I'm not sure about whether Aunt Ellis really cared or not. Is that as there's as the rest of the authority is is holding her dead body and saying be seeing you as the clock strikes midnight um we then cut to um a scene of 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 a woman holding a brand new newborn baby who was born at the stroke of midnight so um who who again we then find out subsequent to this is is Jenny Quantum who is the spirit of the 21st century and is still appearing in DC comics yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely would have left that out because it mm-hmm. it, it kind of mm-hmm. poops a little bit on the the poignant poetic uh, demise of Jenny, and it, I don't. I'm not saying it lessens her sacrifice, mm-hmm. but the weight of not having this character around anymore because of what she sacrificed would have been more valuable to me than your traditional comic book. Uh, regeneration you know like did did we get enough of jenny as a character though to really care about the sacrifice well counting Stormwatch. yeah and i mean i I, i'm not counting Stormwatch, and i i thought i mean it was impactful to me she was um she was the leader she took charge she you know they 
it wasn't like people were shrugging her off or nobody respected her. She, no, that's true. Uh, yeah. she, she obviously, you know, made her presence known and and had no problem ordering people around. She she didn't look it, but obviously she was older than she appeared. So so she definitely, um, in what I experienced in these twelve issues, I felt she had earned the, the respect that that she was getting. And, yeah, and I agree. Yeah, the, but the, the thing um, I was I was saying there's. When Jay said, did we get enough? Yeah, we got these 12 issues, and she's fully fleshed out in the 12 issues. But there's even more that preceded it. So it's not like she's a new character who, you know, he created for 1 to 12. The, the, um, the, in the last arc, um, in the ninth issue, the part, the time when, um, which is, is the first part of, um, Outer Dark, the the last arc. It was um, that's kind of when they sold me on on Jack being my favorite character. And it, 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 it again, it's, it's one of those things where it's just timing because he's he's leaping around New York City, and and he stops by Angie's apartment, um, and uh, and he says, "I was built for cities, built to live in them, built to move between them," and and all I thought about is is again moving to where we live now and i'm not saying this is not some huge sprawling city but it's still a hell of a lot more urban than where i was previous to this and and i do and and going back to the conversation we had where, where vince and i love new york city and it, it i just it's it's another it's just another little thing that made me appreciate this book this story i appreciate warren some more as if i could but it, it's one of those things where um i this this book truly, I feel is is speaking to me. If I could say that, it's it's just it it pisses me off that I have waited so long to read this, and I, I just I knew it was good. I didn't again. I wasn't dragging my feet on purpose. I wasn't saying yeah, I'll get to it eventually. Like Blackest Night, it's just one of those things where uh, I want to read it. I know it's good. It's got you know it's kicked off by one of my favorite writers, so um, I'll get it. I'll just it it's you know. Now I did I, yeah, and and based on these twelve issues, I, I absolutely love it. Again, it it's it does change after these twelve issues, but everything that Warren laid out here with with these characters and the ideas, I'm I'm a huge fan of. So, um, yeah, I I, I absolutely uh, love this book of the month. I think he Warren also held off on the typical Ellis snarkiness. In this book, there's there's some instances of it. Oh, we're yeah. here, we're yeah. here to hit you, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't transmet level where you're getting every other page. There's a real acerbic, yeah. you know, nasty Ellis ism. Um, that for next life. The the other thing yeah, I really true. like about this is that all three arcs, uh, and this gets to the pacing conversation is. I love that they're badasses and, and they just beat, they just win. Like <laughs> the, so many superhero comics are about fighting and fighting and fighting. And it's like professional wrestling where the, 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 it's the, the, the baby face who's always in peril, you know, and they just, they're just getting their asses whooped and, and pretty much just have no answer for the villain, no answer for the villain. Oh no, what's going to happen. They can't beat them. And then either, they get the Hulkamania pump and they finally start beating them and win at the last second, or they get some kind of MacGuffin that allows them to win. And in this, that's not what happened. Like, you you know, in every arc, they just fucking win. They just like, all right. And then, like 
like you said, they bring the carrier down over. Uh, in this, Hawksmoor just fucking the rips Regis apart, like just like this, you know, the super villain that we're supposed to fear because he's this Martian leader or alien leader who's created entire planets for raping and pillaging. Yep. Hawksmoor just fucking rips him apart, and that's it. But more Max importantly, over. he uses his own land against him. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, but like it just he just like there's no big battle, just. Like yeah, they're fighting, done. and then yeah. They, they yeah. get to him. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna rip you apart, and let's just move on." And then in the last one, I mean, Jenny does sacrifice herself, but when they get to the brain, she just fries the brain. Okay, it's over. God's gone. God's dead. And I just love that because you just never see that, especially these days. I mean, you just never see it. It's they got to fight for twelve issues, and uh, and at every turn, there the villains got the answer, and then finally something happens at the end because it's time to wrap it up. They they find some some ultimate nullifier to to win the battle. Yeah, they um, and, not and contrived, they get a chance. Oh, go ahead. No, I just said it's not contrived. That right. The, the yeah. information is in the story. Right. They did. Yeah. They didn't pull out a you know a Deus Ex Machina to there save the go. day. It yeah. it, it matters. Right. Yeah. Right. And and everybody everybody gets the time to shine. Nobody is just like oh, okay, hanging out in the background. The doctor gets his gets his time. It, it, Apollo, of course, is is. Has to recharge, but you know when he comes back, it's he's going to kick ass. Midnighter taking out um, Gamora. It, it's it's everybody, even Shen. She's Swift is is basically the pilot of of the carrier when they go to see God. But it's nobody, nobody's an afterthought. Nobody is 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 regulated to to the back of the panel just because. Warren doesn't know what to do with them. Everybody serves a purpose. Everybody's able to to own own their own their, the, the the possibility of, of of overcoming whatever the hell they're they're about to face. But um, yeah, it's it's it was it was great. It, it, exactly what you guys were saying. It was super duper. <laughs> <laughs> So, six huge thumbs up. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. With uh, with this with this book with this month with this win, um, whipping out some uh, some Jason Wood stats. Oh, analytics. Warren Ellis breaks away from the pack, and he is the first creator to have a three peat. He, he he's the only he's the only creator in our book of the month. Uh, to date, that we've uh, we've discussed three of his works. Uh, so next wave, what was the other one? Planetary Boo. Oh damn! Of course, yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, there we go. And I will say, since you brought it up, uh, it doesn't need to be compared. But but I I mean, Planetary is on another level. Like True. this is really good, and I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, and I enjoyed it back when I read it ten years or so ago. And I was, and it, I think it was as good rereading it. So, huge thumbs up. One of the better book of the months for me in, in a while. But I think Planetary is that's some like next level, holy shit, nuanced, layered, yeah, works issue by issue as a standalone, works as a series. There's works on the surface, works under the surface. 
I, I think that is a crowning achievement in, in sequential storytelling. Yeah, I so. have to agree. And I know what it is for you that really cinches the deal. Mm. It, it's the pulp connections in Planetary. Don't just say it. <laughs> of course. You could say yeah, it. Of course. No, I mean, I, could, I thought that went without saying. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It's the only oh. time pulp's ever been palatable for me. Well, I'm. Well, you'll grow up soon. All grown's up. Oh, not, not yet. Oh, speaking of growing up, happy 40th birthday to uh, to Rod. 100%, yes. Happy I mean, birthday. he'll be hearing this the day after his birthday. My man. Yes. The big 4-0 for our yeah. favorite little running guy. That's great. He doesn't look a day over 62. The, <laughs> I just want to say enjoy the next 10 years because it seems once you hit that big 5-0, shit, yeah. go, shit goes south, man. It's no. just like... Uh, all right, I'm going to cherish these next five years. Then. I think you should. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you may extend it um, a little bit. What we're doing all that Peloton, yeah, you know, it may hit you around 55, but it's going to hit you. Yeah, and it, my, and it sucks. You know what CEO pisses me in off? Better shape now than it was when I knew him at 35. Nice. Yeah. Maybe I should. No, I'm not going to get a Peloton for, <laughs> for one reason. For one re one more than one reason, but one of the main reasons is the commercial that they have on on television now. Where the, the, the guy goes, hello, Peloton. What product on earth greets its people in the same, using the same terminology as its product? People who buy, you know, cleanser, they don't say, hello, Ajax. Like, wh- now people are Peloton collectively? It's weird, well, dude. Peloton is a group of, of bicycle riders. <sighs> okay. It's just weird. It's weird. But that's why they named the company what they did, because a, a, a Peloton is a group of, ride, of bike riders. You see, but, but the, 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 the name of the product is now the, the people. It's, I, I don't like it at all. It makes me very uncomfortable. I'm just saying. It's a strange, it's a strange reason not to get the bike, but that's cool. I'm not, no, it's not the reason not to get the bike. It's just one of the <laughs> things that annoys me when I, when I see the commercial. What's up, Peloton? Fuck you. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow! I'm kidding. Got it. Oh yeah! yeah. Uh, told you, Rocky style. A big piece of timber, two cinder blocks, Chase some chicken. chickens. Yeah, you'll get in shape. Eat some eggs. I would crush you. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. <laughs> no, I don't. Honestly, I really don't give a hoot about Peloton. I just say things to try and get you going, but it doesn't work. And no, it, it ruins my whole so, time. So ironclad, it's awesomeness. I, you can't throw on that. The, uh, no I, shit. If somebody brought one into my house and I didn't pay for it, I would use it. Hmm. Yeah. Word up. There's, 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 By the way, can I tell you how awesome <laughs> it is to, need to, get, to get a new car during the COVID? Yeah. Dude, Beth. Yeah, my wife's in. looking at one, so. Dude, tell you, me. I'm telling you what, dude. Beth came in yesterday. Hey, uh. We're getting a new car tomorrow. I'm like, what? Like, it was that easy. I was like, oh, okay. She's like, yep. Dealer called me. They got what I want in stock. They're going to take take the current one. We're going to drop off the new one. Price is like $60 less than we're paying now. I'm like, damn. I'm like, all right. She's like, you just need to go online and fill out the credit form. I'm like, no problem. Did that. <sighs> Done. Business. Yeah, you know what? Totally up front. If your wife walked into the room and I was in your position, she said, yeah, we get a new house tomorrow. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. There you go. That's how it works. Dap, what were you going to say when both Jason and I shit on you? 
We had a twofer there. We didn't even know. He's going to say happy anniversary to Onomar and his wife. That's what I was going to say. Um, happy anniversary. The uh, no, it's it's. I mean, my wife's been been on the spin bike at least twice a day, and um, and loving it. And and I'm pretty sure she would be. It wouldn't be hard to to kind of suggest a Peloton, um, but she also does desperately need a new car because the Jeep is more problems than it's worth now. But um, I, we obviously can't get both, so we'll we're probably going to end up with the car since she can still use the bike. But I I know yeah she's she's um she's got her eye on a couple of things and and we probably will um. We were going to wait until mine was fully paid off. It's close, but maybe take advantage of, of, of what's available now. See that Jeep? That's hitting 50. That's what, <laughs> that's what happens when you hit 50. Oh, you, yeah. Everything becomes more of a freaking problem than it's worth. All downhill. Yeah. <sighs> All right. There you go. Book of the month with a little bit of, a, little bit a of bit silliness of a of at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Authority. Warren Hitch. Uh, yeah, okay. Warren, Hitch. War- <laughs> Warren Ellis, Brian Hitch, Paul Neary, Laura Dupuis, a.k.a. Laura Martin. Um, 12 issues. Very, very close to uh, great comics. Yes. I, I would rank rank them Planetary Authority Stormwatch for the record. Well, hmm. if I'm going to be ranking Warren Ellis stuff... I would be no. I'm, I'm not. I'm talking of the this of this of this little universe of characters. Yeah, I would too. That's how I would do it. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, well, I have, to, I have to think about it. But I mean, Planetary would be at or near the top for me for Warren Ellis, but it probably wouldn't be at the top. Yeah, like I save that for next life. Oof. Well, next. <laughs> well, listen. I mean, again, I, I and many other people love Next Wave, but I, <laughs> like, no, no. I but I think Plan. I mean, Planetary is better than Next Wave. Next wave's a, it's it's an inside joke and and it works That's for right, what it yeah. is yeah it works very well for Next what wave it is. works for what it is it's it, to me it is honestly comparing like a comedy you see and it's funny but you rewatch it and you, you all the jokes aren't you know the jokes so it's just not as funny um or, or versus an action movie that you could watch a hundred times like aliens and enjoy it like aliens yeah. by the way Vince you, I'm surprised you didn't bring up that speaking of aliens that. The transition from Stormwatch to Planetary came about thanks to the aliens. Yeah. There was a aliens Stormwatch crossover that the they used the the uh aliens to effectively slaughter all of the old Stormwatch characters that Warren didn't create. Right. And uh if you want to really complete the circle, the uh parasites are very geeker esque. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, but hey, greatness influences, right? That's right. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So there you go. All right, that was a fun one, but yes. we still have more things about which to talk. Yes. Yeah, I think we have some traveling, some inner traveling to do, right? Oh, okay. No. Wow. Well, you said you had one other thing to talk about. So I do, I do. 
You can um, make it a lengthy neutrality. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to us do this here, Book of the Month. We do it every month, and you can be a part of that by going to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, and voting. You have a voice. We listen to you because you're very important to us. You determine what we talk about and a whole lot of other things. Images of the day. Jason um, obviously does not know how to schedule posts because he'll throw four down in one day. Nope. And just like <laughs> a day, six hours apart. shoot the whole wad, whatever. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, and we do. Jason puts up OA. In, that he encounters in his travels. I do the cover a day thing. Dap's always there with the videos and other stuff. It, there's just a lot of content on our Patreon. And and we do it because we would have done it whether or not you people were patrons, you know. But we do it because we like to give back to those that give to us. So go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and you'll see what's up. And we got a big thank you for Discount Comic Book Service for also making this happen. DCBService.com, the absolute best. I'm going to keep it tight because they are. In your travels, I finally finished it. Um, apparently, I was in the right mindset to do so. And uh, I teased it. I guess last episode, so I'm going to uh, to finish it. I completed Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, which was written by James Tinian the Fourth and Ryan Ferrer, or Ferrier, sorry, and it was illustrated by my man Fifty Grand, a titan among illustrators, Freddie E. Williams the Second. Jeremy Caldwell was the colorist. Um, it's uh, the middle part because the third one has come and gone and the, it will be coming in my box this month. But uh, this go-around focuses heavily on Donatello. Huh. Yes. Donatello is feeling some kind of way because um, while he can uh, claim to be the smartest of the brothers, he's not exactly the best fighter. And uh, he's continually put into situations where his brothers have to rescue him. And he's feeling a bit, like, you know, a little useless. And uh, he tries to use this dimensional gateway to send a message to Batman because he wants to be trained better. And he doesn't want to go to Master Splinter because it's, you know, he doesn't want to lose face or let Master Splinter down. So he figures, hey, that guy that we met in the first series... I'm going to call him up and see if he could help me out with my problems. But in trying to contact Batman, he switches places with Bane. So now you got Bane in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. There's a power vacuum with the Foot Clan, and Bane steps in to fill it. Donnie's feeling... Very guilty because now he's unleashed this apex predator into his universe, which is really only defended by the turtles. There are other mutated beings, on the, as we know, but the, you know the real heroes are the turtles. And so Donnie and Batman and Damien try to set things right, and it's just it's a fun little romp. But the real joy for me is Freddie Williams. Well. <laughs> Um, uh, I cannot praise this dude enough. 
I think his work is his bebop and rocksteady are amazing. His Mr. Freeze, you want to die. It's so good. Baxter Stockman's in here, um, you know, both forms. It, it's just phenomenal. There's a, uh, a point where the Venom, there's an equation. Donatello plus Venom equals really, really big turtle. Um, and that's another thing, a cool thing with the story is, so Bane is in the turtle verse, we'll call it that, and he's running out of Venom. It's just great. It's just a fun little six-issue romp that is masterfully, beautifully um, illustrated by Freddie. It's gorgeous. Just jaw-droppingly gorgeous. And if you like this, there's a third one. And they're all hardcovers. And rightly so, because work like this needs to be preserved in hardcover. I just think it's exceptional work. I would maybe lose a toe for Freddie Williams. Wow. Yeah, not the big one, because then you wouldn't be able to stand up real good. Right. But one of my toes. Not a finger. I love Freddie. His diabetes took him like I, I four can't. of them already. Well, I'm like Rob Schneider in uh, mm. The Right Missy, only with mm. my... Isn't my, that the wrong? The wrong Missy, yes. I didn't even watch it. Dad's Missy. But anyway, if you you love Batman and you love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and you're an aficionado of breathtaking art, pick up Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. So good. Dose. Uh, Travels. Uh, It's a little something from uh, Oni Press, the first issue. It is written by Mr. Cullen Bunn. It is illustrated by Mr. Andy McDonald. Colored by Mr. Nick Filardi. It is Rogue Planet. Oh, I'm sorry. It's lettered by Craig. And it is, uh, it's, it's a series from Oni, like I said. Uh, Rogue Planet is a celestial body. Not, not, oh, maybe that's a typo. Not, not bound to a star. Expelled from the planetary system in which they formed abandoned and uh this is a little bit of um uh kind of like it, it, it it's very reminiscent of um of alien and and you know, cullen is great at um the thriller the 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 spooky the horror aspects of of stories and the uh the space vessel it's a salvage vessel. Uh, the Cortez is um, is approaching the rogue planet. The crew is. Um, the, what's interesting is half the crew is is in stasis, and the other half seem to be kind of sleepwalking. Um, they're they're pretty much they're in hypersleep slash drone mode, um, so they can continue to man the ship. Um, like, and it looks like they possibly do that in shifts. Um, so they're still pretty much asleep when this is going on, but, um, there was a neat little take on it. instead of the ship just being on autopilot until it gets to wherever it needs to get, hopefully in one piece. Um, but the, uh, we're, we're introduced to all the members of the crew. The captain is captain's a bit of, uh, captain's been around a while. He's, um, kind of a hard ass he, he he just you know he doesn't really seem to have much of a sense of humor if um 
uh, it looks like uh, there may have been a glitch in the life support. It, it, it appears as though it's snowing inside the cabin. Um, but the environmental systems, according to the mechanic, have always been a bit tweaked on this bucket. And Cabin's like, listen, whatever it is, Franco, I don't like it. Get it fixed. And you know, everybody else is kind of just enjoying the snowfall. It's not, it's not a blizzard. There's just like, snowflakes falling around. But um, Captain ain't having none of it. A couple of the crew members are are, are wiseacres, and uh, a couple of people just want to get in and get out, and they're there to loot whatever they can from this planet and and bounce. But the the, the issue actually kicks off with with a. Uh, Looks as though a father, an alien, is is sacrificing his son, um, which is kind of weird. But we only get a glimpse of that until we get to to the humans, because um, apparently it's it's the planet is ugly. And and one of the crew members asks, you know, remember when people used to think space was beautiful before interstellar travel? Every scientist with a scope might as well have been a love-struck poet now though i realize they were all full of shit and it's like it, it's very treacherous treacherous terrain um whatever the beacon was the transmission was that brought them to this planet uh they they wander onto this like spaceship graveyard and um they uh somewhere in this graveyard is where the signal's coming from but it looks as though maybe the other crew members on all these ships suffocated something something brought these ships there they're not sure if it was the same beacon um they all seem to have crashed in the same spot or did they maybe they were moved here um and then this giant disgusting creature that kind of reminds me of of um spread from uh justin jordan and kyle strong but it, it was it's kind of like someone like someone asked if, if if this thing's got lungs that it are attached to it as if as if it took the organs from the members of of, of these ships in this graveyard is there's, there's a mystery and and i'm i'm kind of looking forward to seeing how, how this unfolds but um i'm not sure you know it, it it becomes kind of like prometheus and 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 everything like that where crew members, no, nobody's really stupid. It's just that crew members do get, you know, snapped up and don't make it out of this first issue. Uh, so so we'll see how many remain as, as the issues continue. But um, I like McDonald's art here. I haven't seen any McDonald in a minute. It, it's, um, you know, I enjoyed his work on in, in the 24-7 graphic novel that uh, came out from Image years ago. And... Um, I've always kind of liked his style, but this is, um, this, it's, it's a spooky kind of story. There's, there's, uh, there's definitely some death and dismemberment and, and, and a really gross looking alien. Um, but I, uh, the, the last page is, is a freaking flip and, and I don't, um, you know, as, as the captain kind of just, the crew is like, listen, we, we, we need to get fucked back to the Cortez and, and, and leave this place. But the captain's all about the payload. And he's like, um, they're, they're telling the captain, just forget, forget the payload. We got to leave. We got to get out of here. Captain's like, you're not going to talk to me like that on, on my op. And I'll leave your sorry ass on this rock before I let And then they're trying to convince the captain. This, this is a no go. There's, there's nothing here for us. And, um, 
And someone's like, yeah, we shouldn't have come here in the first place. And, and now we're probably not getting off this planet. And that's where the last page cliffhanger comes in. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board to see where this is going. Cullen, I, I, you know, whether it's out in space, obviously, or, or in the swamps, Cullen knows how to kind of fuck with you a bit as, as a story kicks off. And, um, and this is business as usual. So I'm, um, I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, Oni Press, Rogue Planet, first issue came out. Um, so if you can grab it, do so. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to see where it goes from here. So there you go. Nice, proud about it myself. Nice. Um, so in your travels, I got to shout out an old school. You know, we're old school, right? Collectively, like we're old school podcasters. We've been at this for a minute. Yeah, the but part. yeah, for right, but. There's there's a few folks that are way more old school than us. Not many, but there are a few. And uh, Augie DeBlick is one of them. Oh, snap. I know. It's a name we probably haven't mentioned much in recent years. But uh, for those of you who don't know the name, Augie has been writing comic book reviews in some form or fashion for well over 20 years uh, in, a, in a column called Pipeline. And for a long time, he was on CBR, back when CBR was kind of the place you had to go for comic news. And then more recently, he was on comicbook.com, which became the kind of the, the place that people went for comic news. Um, and it was, a, I think, for the most time, at least when I was paying attention to it, it was a, a weekly thing. He would just kind of give you the things he was most excited about for the week, sort of like what we do on the Slack. But just he just hit a handful of things that were coming out that week and why he was excited about them. Um, and that was basically it. Like, that was the crux of it. Um but he's a good writer, funny, witty dude, and he also did a podcast that was essentially the same thing. And I'm not sure about this, but I'm 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 reasonably confident that his podcast actually preceded CGS by a few months. Like he was one of the first guys to be doing a comic book podcast. That all being said, so we've kind of known Augie, at least in terms of internet knowing, for a long, long time. And um I had kind of lost the narrative with him. I because he had stopped doing the regular pipeline feature or at least where i was seeing it um a while ago but um but i I picked back up with him a bit on social media and just uh, somewhat randomly um this past week he tweeted a bunch of praise for the book that became my inner travels um and I, i should say one more thing um augie's site is still the same place it's pipeline comics but in 2017, he made a very major pivot. Uh, after spending almost 20 years reviewing comics of all kind, he fell in love with European comics, Bon Dessin. And he just totally pivoted to that. So from 2017 till now, he covers only European comics, um, which I think is pretty cool. Like, it's a cool niche, and, and anyone that's been listening to our show for a while knows that I've fallen more and more in love with European comics in the last few years. Um, so that said, thanks to Augie for absolutely gushing about this book my inner travels is by europe comics uh, an imprint we've been talking about quite a lot lately uh and it is miss endicott which is uh m-i-s-s and then the last name is e-n-d-i-c-o-t-t uh written by jean christophe darien who uh, dap uh, apparently was one of the um main script writers for the spiru cartoon i know you're a spiru fan nice uh, and it was drawn uh, by, uh, and I don't know in French, is it Javier or Xavier? I'm not sure. I don't speak French, so I don't know whether it's, but it's Xavier as in Professor X. Xavier 
Forquemin, which is the word uh, F-O-U-R-Q-U-E-M-I-N. So let's say Xavier Forquemin. He is the artist. And that was really the crux of what piqued me here because um, I'm paraphrasing, but Augie was saying that this was the most stunning comic book art and storytelling he had seen in years. And for a dude that reads as many comics as he does or which is comparable to how many we read, I took note. Um, so uh, Europe, Europe Comics uh, is a uh, – Basically, a, a digital-only uh, effort. We've talked about it some in the last year or so, where they take Bond SNA that uh, they think probably couldn't sell well enough in physical form to bring over and translate. So they put them out digitally, and then over time, if there is enough demand, they will uh, happily license those rights to someone else to publish the hardcover. And they've done that a bunch of times since. Um, but this was put out through that. There are two volumes, parts one and two, two different albums. Um, as is typical with European album, they're smaller in terms of page count. This was 81 volume one was part one was 81 pages. Um, and it was delightful. It was a completely far field from, uh, the kind of thing I would be actively looking for in a solicit, which is maybe why I didn't notice it. Um, the original work was put out in, um, Belgium in 2014. Um, but I believe both of these volumes were put out. Uh, here in the U.S. through Europe Comics this year. I think March uh, was uh, was when they came out, or at least the second volume. Um, but what is it about? Well, it's uh, Miss Endicott is a uh, – she's a, a – it's a Victorian times, and she is uh, – her mother has passed away, and it was clear that her mother was a very influential woman in this town uh, in, in England. So she – um, the young Miss Endicott comes to handle her mother's affairs and, uh, and then, as we find out, take over the family business. And what's the family business? Well, basically, she's like, what if Mary Poppins was the equalizer? So she's a very petite woman in all black with a very formal dowager countess kind of look. Walks around with an umbrella, very vis- visually evocative of Mary Poppins, very polite, um, takes a day job as a nanny for a uh, petulant but uh, well-meaning young boy who's effectively been left to his own devices in a big house while his parents are away on some kind of mysterious journey. And I'm assuming we'll find out more about them as the series goes on, but but right now they're kind of just uh, just placeholders for absentee parents. Uh, but her main reason for being there is that her mother was this effectively equalizer. She was a person that people came to with problems that they couldn't solve on their own or that the police wouldn't or couldn't handle. And um, and, and now young Miss Endicott steps right into that role. And, uh, and, and we at first it's a very mundane thing. She effectively goes to a, a, a pub where she stands out from the crowd of toughs and uh, physically takes down a very big bouncer who's trying to give her some ish very quickly uh, and then uh, goes about trying to solve this mystery for her client. But then it t- goes into strange places. It, it's At first you think it's just going to be a Victorian um do-gooder type of a thing, but but it then has a bit of a fantasy element because there's uh, like like underground dwarven people, and it's not clear whether they're uh, whether they're just humans that are dwarfs that live underground, or if they're another species. 
probably doesn't matter one way or the other, frankly. But but uh, but either way, it it goes in these kind of crazy, more fantastical twists and turns after the first few issues, well, first few uh, pages of the story. And um, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, it's 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 quirky. It's it's uh, I think like it's an odd duck because I'm not a particular fan of Victorian stuff. Um, generally speaking, like that's not, that's not an era or a setting that I'm generally drawn toward. Um, which is probably, if you had given me this in the solicit, I probably would have passed it right over. But, uh, but thanks to Augie's recommendation, I did dive right in and I'm glad I did. I thought, I think the artwork is definitely the triumph of the book. Uh, it's beautiful stuff. It's, it's, it's in the Guy Davis, Rob Guillory mold, um, elongated, anatomy big long noses uh very angular faces um skinny overly skinny stretched out bodies so lots more limb than 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 uh than than torso if you will but uh but overall highly detailed highly cartoony nice color palette uh good panel layouts the whole works i think he's a very accomplished cartoonist clearly um yeah i thought it was great so if you're kind of if you if you dig the the victorian vibe or if you dig um, stories about the Equalizer or Sherlock Holmes, and I don't—I'd rather compare it to something like the Equalizer than than a Private Eye or Sherlock Holmes because it's not necessarily a mystery, so to speak. I mean, it seems like she's presented with with problems that are fairly understood what she's getting into, um, but they just the people need help getting the problems handled. So, um, uh, yeah, I haven't read the second volume yet, although I did I did also pick that up, and uh, I give it two big thumbs up. Nice. Love it. Pretty damn the, sweet. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I need to read more. More comics from this publisher. Um, the uh, Speaking of all, there was, way before podcasts, um, when he was doing Pipeline, and this is early, early, um, maybe even been before CBR, but, um, yeah, when I would... I would Probably, if not every week, almost every week, I would send him an email after reading his um, his weekly posts, and and we exchanged emails back and forth a little bit, and then stopped. But um, yeah, I've always I've, I've always liked Dog. He's a good dude. You know, it's odd that you should mention that. Check the Slack Slack app because who doesn't? enjoy getting mail correspondence right love it i think we all do and um one of the things we forget um in this new world we live in is that not everybody does social media right some people they just frown upon it and and uh, and i get it so what um it's an idea right if you would like to correspond it with us in some way we have an email address for that. We do. Yes. We, we, I mean, we each have our own. Um, but so if there's something you just want to send to one of us, uh, feel free. We do have um, we have a generic email address. But if, if you want, Vince, we can very easily have a mailbag at 11oclockcomics.com. That's fine. I don't know if we should call it a mailbag. Let's call it a um, M A L E. Let's call it a letter column. If you would like to contribute to the Eleven O'clock Comics letter column, which is just 
correspondence. Hey, your last episode was a little on the poor side. Or that Jason guy sounds kind of sexy. Can you give me a picture of him? Mm-hmm. You know, do it. It's um, info at 11. No nudes unless you're at a certain Patreon tier, though. Hmm. No, see, this is another thing that I think this is a good idea because our patrons correspond with us every damn day sure. where the patrons are just a small ch- but very valuable and worthwhile chunk. They're just a, a fraction of the overall listenership. So if you would, you have something to say, say it in the 11 o'clock comics letter column. All you got to do is send your email to info at 11 o'clock comics dot com. And remember, that's one one. O'clock, no apostrophe. So info at 11oclockcomics.com. But if you want to get specific and send it to an individual host, just preface the email address, everything before the at, with our name. <laughs> uh, you never know. You never know. People. Right. Uh, so Vince, Jason, David at 11oclockcomics.com. Individually, not all at once, because that's a gangbang. And we're not into that yet. Well, so that's so, a whole different tier. Yeah, yeah. I think it's neat. I love lettered columns, and I love getting mail. And I, you know, I think um, you know, given the uh, the interaction between us and the listeners is great. And we haven't really done a whole lot of that over the years. We had the hotline, but again, people are reluctant to have their voice in podcasts for some reason. Um, most people. So now we'll just have your words, and it'll be great. Remember, info at 11oclockcomics.com or Vince at Jason at David at. Boom. Boom. Yeah, fun stuff. Yes. And we will credit you and applaud or decry, whatever you have to say, on the air. Personally, Mm -hmm. yeah. Great stuff. All right, that's it. Don't be persnickety. I like persnickety. I can't (laughs) say it, but I like it. If you want to be persnickety with me, go right ahead. That's fun. I won't ridicule you. We'll have fun with it. And if you're right, you're right. The truth is the truth, unlike the real world. So thank you for listening, everybody. Come back next week. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Thank you, dcbservice.com. In the meantime, say goodnight. Guess which Transformer I have in my hand. Guess which character. Um, Shockwave. No. David can't guess because he's waiting to say David. No. Megatron. Oh. David. Nice. Good night. I have no idea what Transformer you have in your hand. So how... I told you. I know. I'm saying no. Oh yeah. Re- the whole, you know, just I'm having my side of the conversation that you had when you were talking about it, and then you know, David. Did you did you hear him lift his arm up? The band clinked on the desk. I heard it as he was lifting his watch up to check. <laughs> the... You're adorable. It's true. My elbow is always on the tail. My hand's bent up. Or you have a time lord in attendance. That transports you to the exact birthday. Yes. Thank you, Gallifrey, for bending the rules. Stay ready inside. We'll be back next time. Say goodnight, gentlemen. Later, bye. He never says goodnight at the end. I think he does it just to be anti. (laughs) No, of course not. He's anti goodnight.
I love you all. I just don't ever interrupt your little flow you got there. We do the good night, David. <laughs> you are so full of shit. You do it all the time, especially if I'm giving an address, a URL, or something. Ah, da da. I like Twinkies. No, I've, you said someday I grow up. I've grown up, so I'm mm-hmm. trying not to be disruptive to your closing machinations. You'll always be my boy. Always be my boo. Little ur- little Ursher for you. Ursher. <laughs> We're done. Thanks, Chris.